I was supposed to mention this morning that we are developing a around-the-clock prayer sign-up sheet that you can sign up to pray for those who are sick, those who are in, in physical need. Um, we're, we have in mind the long-term uh, um, severely um, sick that uh, are on our list. And so uh, we would like for you to commit yourself to an hour during the day. And the plan is to have around the clock prayer so that uh, we can cover the hours that are on that sheet. Um, I think the sheet is in the back. I know um, um, Cliff Hill is the one who is uh, putting this thing together and putting our sheet together. And so if you see the sheet on the back, um, usher's table that's what it's for and you can sign up for it if it's not back there yet we'll get it back as soon as we can so that you can be a part of that prayer team this is something that we've done in the past and uh, it just reminds us of our need of God's healing and uh, reminds us of how important and how precious the prayers of God's people are that God does hear their prayer and so uh, we want to give each of us that opportunity to, to do that. So mention that. I'll try to remind us of that again on Wednesday. <clears throat> also just want to mention um, as we um, prepare for the funeral this Thursday, uh, a couple things that we need to do. I mentioned some of them uh, this morning. Um, one is we're looking for particularly a group of men, um, maybe four or five men that can be here on a Tuesday evening. I think we're going to shoot for 6 o'clock where we can uh, move some stuff around in the fellowship hall. And um, um, so if you're available for that, come and see me. Tuesday, 6 o'clock is our target time. But let me know tonight if you um, want to help us out in that way. The other thing we're going to do is after um, Truth Seekers on Wednesday, is fully set up, not only that room, but the whole church, because that's the evening before um, our, our funeral, and we, we are hosting this, and we want to have our, our building well prepared. Uh, keep in mind that often um, for funerals, we have uh, a very good turnout, so uh, we expect to, to use our building, so we need to have everything prepared. If you have personal things that you tend to leave uh, in the building, whether it's instruments or coats or things in the rack, you, you should secure that um, tonight, at least before uh, Wednesday evening, and uh, make sure that um, our building is ready for a guest. Um, I think that's all I need to mention for that. We already talked about the, uh, the uh, repast meal and what's needed for that. If you have any questions on that, you can see either uh, my wife or or Sister Jackie Holt, uh, any one of them can, can help with that. And any other needs that, that may come up, um, let me know. Okay. I have some questions in front of me. And uh, as we've been doing, we're going to do these as discussion questions. Last week we covered this question. I'm just going to read it to make sure we covered it completely. Is it ever the right thing to do to cut off a family member who disrespects you? 
Isn't that the question we dealt with last time? Okay. So I think we've, we've uh, answered that. Any questions or comments about that question before we move on to others? All right, let's look at this question. Is it our duty as Christians to continue to receive a disruptive person into church service? If yes, where do we draw the line? If no, where do they receive the gospel? Read that again. Is it our duty as Christians to continue to receive a disruptive person into church service? Let me define that a little bit. Um, a disruptive person. Uh, that may mean a person that has gone through church discipline and has been put out of the church to such a degree they've been asked not to return. Um, there are different types of church discipline. When, when church leaders take up church discipline, um, we can uh, um, correct a person we can bring them before the church um, to, to tell them that they are no longer a member of this church because of their, what they've done and their unwillingness to repent from that. And that's a key point. Um, but there are also cases where in doing that, you may tell them that they cannot come to church at all. Um, First, let me ask, ask, answer this question. Is that ever appropriate to tell a person that they cannot come to church? Yes. And his question kind of hits at one of those points. If they become disruptive, if they are unrepentant and do not want to turn from their sin that they have, it's been specifically laid out and they don't want to turn from that, then they are no longer welcome. Not only are they no longer welcome to come into church, but they're denied the privilege of coming to church. Um, we have that right legally as a private group or meeting to accept or deny anybody on whatever basis that we do. Um, but if we do, we need to spell that out in our Constitution in, in right ways, and we do spell that out in our Constitution through church discipline. Um, why would we do that is what this question I think is dealing with. If we determine that a person should not be allowed to attempt, uh, attend church because of their uh, discipline and their disruptive nature, um, why would we impose such a, a rule on them? Is that appropriate? Um, and, and the question really points out if they're disruptive. Uh, if a person is disruptive, um, and will not listen to uh, and follow the, the church um, leaders, then you can see, I can see where it, it would do, no, do them no good to come to church, and it would do, um, do harm to have them come to church to either disrupt others in their presence or be disruptive in the service from the gospel going out. Um, and so that would be one reason to, to do that. Another question will be, where do we draw the line? I think we draw the line at repentance. <laughs> if the person is repentant, then they're accepted back in the church. If they're not repentant, then they're not accepted back in the church until at that point they are repentant. Um, 
if a church, if a person is willing to hear the gospel, some might argue, why not let them come to church and continue to hear the gospel? It may be appropriate from some situations, I, I don't know, but also the, my question would be, if they have heard the gospel and are not responding to the gospel, in other words, they're unrepentant, they're not responding to the gospel, um, or they're not responding to discipline that the church has set up, um, then um, there's no need for them to, to just come, to keep coming to church without repentance. They need to, to repent, and we need to urge, encourage, and challenge them to repent. Um, let me just pause there and give you a chance to digest that and, and answer back with any comments or questions that you might have about that. Yes. Well, I think Matthew 18 lays out how you handle it. Matthew um, 18 is, is one of the verses, and it's a good verse in terms of church discipline. Um, we've been going through Titus in our Sunday school um, review time. Titus 3 um, verse 9 and 10. But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful. He is self-condemned. So there Paul is advising it's interesting, the culture that he's advising that in, um, he's advising um, church leadership to recognize when a person is divisive and is not just attending the church to hear the gospel, but is a detriment to others hearing the gospel. Um, don't keep putting up with that. Warn that person, give them proper warning, but then um, deal with that and, and put them out of the way so that they can no longer be divisive. Sister Bonnie? Isn't there a place in Paul talking about people in the church that are teaching First Corinthians, yes, thank you. Exactly, right. And you're right, uh, Charles, it is 1 Corinthians 5 is, is one portion where he deals with uh, a matter of, matter of church discipline. Um, verse 3, 1 Corinthians 5, 3, For though absent in body, I'm present in spirit, and as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. He's saying take action as a church and reject that person. Um, um, so that is a, a matter of contending with that person and rebuking them and letting them know that, no, they cannot continue to be a part of the fellowship of believers because their behavior is not in line with what believers do. And they, in fact, are, are acting as one who doesn't know the Lord and the one who hasn't been born again. So point them out that way and reject him because of that. 
until he repents. He says, deliver him to Satan. In other words, let God's judgment come upon that person for their sin um, until that judgment brings repentance. And that repentance may, in fact, save their soul uh, if, they, if they heed to it and if they repent. So, yeah, that's a good note. Uh, you know, we live in a, in, in a culture that says don't make any waves and, and be nice and, and uh, you know, um, don't confront things. Just kind of let it slide. Um, there's times when we do need to confront, and this is, this is one of them, and uh, it, needs to be, it needs to be done. It's, it's times that we can't avoid or shouldn't avoid that, co- that kind of confrontation because of the danger that it presents to the, um, to the uh, group of God's people. Um... Let me go to another question that I have here. It's kind of a different topic, so. Yeah, I'll deal with this one, then we'll come back to something else. Should I tell my little girl that she's pretty if I see she is becoming prideful? Should I tell my little girl that she is pretty if I see that she is becoming prideful? It seems like just a small, innocent um, issue and an innocent matter. Um, but I think it's, it's an important question. Um, let me ask the question, why do we tell a person that they are pretty or attractive or handsome? Why do we? What's our motive? What effect does it have on that person? What are we trying to do? What should we be trying to do? Think about that. Answer some of those questions. We give compliments to each other. You know, I like your hair. Those glasses look nice on you. Uh, Wow, you got a new pair of shoes that really looks nice. It's a nice hairdo. On and on. So why why do we do that? And, And what should we be mindful of or careful about as we do that? I'm asking, so I want to bring out some discussion. Yes. First of all, if, he, if he suspects she's being prank or she already knows she's pretty soon. <laughs> so you're not... It's a, her beauty is a gift from God. And this is a teaching experience to say, look what God has given you, and you should be giving glory to God and not reflecting upon it as something that you're doing. So I think it, there's a teachable instance here that we can be used uh, for, for building her character. Thanks for getting right to the point. Her beauty is a gift from God. It is neither good nor bad. Um, she has something. Obviously, everybody doesn't have that same physical attraction. There is something unique there. But what we do have to be careful, and this is what's what I'm trying to get out in that question, what, what are we trying to be careful about? We're trying to be careful about how she, we're guarding her heart about receiving glory to herself for what she has nothing to do with. Nothing to do with. Isn't it amazing that the most beautiful people in our culture 
still try to do things to intensify their beauty? Do you know anybody who calls himself beauty who doesn't wear makeup, doesn't dress their hair, uh, doesn't do something to enhance that beauty in some way, right? We think about beauty, but we never talk about some person just being all natural, right? Just here you are, you're just beauty, beautiful, you don't do, have to do anything. No, they do something, right? What does that say? What am I getting at? Is that we need to be careful about this emphasis on beauty, emphasis on the outward appearance. We don't have to deny the outward appearance. We don't have to deny that a person is attractive, that they have something that, that is, is attractive um, to, to others or something that others may not have. But what we do have to be careful about is an emphasis on beauty and nothing else. So if I'm telling um, a little girl and emphasizing to her that beauty is all this and not put it in its proper perspective, then there's a danger. Now, we just went through the book of Esther, and it, 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 it emphasizes beauty. Esther was chosen because she was beautiful. God made her that way, and God, in fact, would have her use that gift for his glory and not for her own, her own vanity. And so whatever our gift is, if my gift is preaching, if my gift is playing a trumpet, what, if my gift is singing, whatever that gift is, I'm to receive uh, acknowledgments of that in the right mindset so that I don't get caught up in my own glory. Now, that has a lot to do with my personal mindset. But as a parent, you're trying to shape that so that that doesn't go, um, um, it's not taken in the wrong place. Now, maybe parents can, can help us out. What are you trying to do to shape that in a proper way? What is the proper way to have that? See, Jacqueline's hand. Uh-huh. They know, basically. They would they would know that they're beautiful regardless of if they have hair, um, you know, the weave or the makeup. Just, I just feel like you're just building their confidence and letting them know how beautiful they are. So, Let's speak about that. Let's talk about their confidence in terms of their character and not just their outward appearance. And that's, that's what we're trying to build. In other words, that your value is not based on how, how, much, how much or how many people like your hair. But your value before God is based on that inner quality and that inner character that you have. And that's what Esther was, was really about, is saying, yes, she's beautiful, beautiful physically, but what's attractive is the, the interaction she had with her stepdad, so to speak, and her willingness to commit herself to that which is right and that which is good, no matter what the threat was to her physically. That was a beauty that needed to be, a, be applauded above all the other traits because that was a character beauty that she could build. The other beauty was a physical beauty that we don't deny, um, but we don't put it on a, on a plane that, that's higher than it should be. So yeah, how do we do that? We, 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 we say you look nice, that's a confidence builder. But we also say, I'm, I'm interested in the way that you act. 
You have a sweet spirit. I like that you memorized your verse. You worked hard at it. Um, so parents, you can, you can give me some help on how you compliment your children in a way to balance that. Michelle? Oh, that basically was everything that I was going to say. Um, Jeremy is really good at um, encouraging the kids in areas that they, they have to work at. And when he sees them accomplish things, um, so he's not just necessarily because uh, our little ones can become a little bit prideful, um, about, especially about their looks, um, just because they do get a lot of compliments on that. So we really try to focus on the character um, attributes. And when they work hard at something, really encourage that and applaud them for that. And then when they don't do so well, just encourage them. Or when they mess up, say, see, like this might not be something that you're strong at, where your sibling might be strong at it. And that's okay, because you possess other qualities that are really, really good. And so it isn't about your physical features are, will only take you so far. They can only, you know, maybe present an opportunity or whatnot. But what you do with that and the character that you have is what is really going to take you farther in life. Whether, whatever success God deems in that person's life um, is determined by their character. Mm -hmm. And so I, we try to really remind the kids that um, constantly. I like one thing that Michelle does, um, and, and I know, of course, the, these are my grandkids, so I notice this, but I'll often say to, to one of them something like, man, I like those shoes you got on. I like that shirt you have on. And you know what she'll come back and say? She'll say, Elijah, did you say thank you? In other words, thanks for the compliment, and I'm going to receive that in an humble way so that I'm in a in proper mindset, not like, I know I'm looking good, you know. Th that's a mindset that the world teaches, that, that we teach um, humility, thankfulness. Thank you for caring about me. Thank you for complimenting me. You didn't have to say that, but thank you for doing that. So that's a simple way of getting them to acknowledge um, what you said in a humble way that, um, that, that helps them put things in perspective. Bonnie, I think you'll be next. Okay. Yes. We don't know exactly what her mindset is, or uh, because the Bible doesn't tell us that. But the point there is that I am. I am gifted in this area. I am not going to let your comment on my gift affect me in a, in, a, in, a, in a wrong thinking way, okay? So that no matter how much you compliment, if my mind is right, there are people who come to me and say, you know, I really like this about you. And I'm wondering, why, why are you trying to, why, are you saying that to try to influence me in some way? I know who I am. Good or bad, I know who I am, and I accept that. But if I know who I am, if I'm grounded with who I am, perhaps God has gifted you in the air. You don't have to say, oh, I'm not gifted like that. That's not humility. That's a lie. You are gifted. But if you know who you are, and if the glory for who you are goes to God properly, 
you're no longer influenced by others' impression or uh, their liking of who you are. So you're not, you, you're not uh, looking to be applauded. You're not looking to be... Uh, um, um, well, the biblical term is you don't have the fear of man. You're not looking to impress man. You're looking to impress God. So you already know who you are. Nobody can puff you up that way. And at the same time, they can't tear you down that way as well. And so parents are trying to build up. I know the world uses that term self-esteem. But if we use it properly, parents are trying to build a proper esteem of, of their children to, to see themselves as God sees them. If we look at scripturally what God does, you know, is the Galatians saying, you know, don't be too high. <laughs> don't, th- don't let a man think above th- of what he is. That might be 1 Corinthians. I have to get that verse right. Um, but to, to think balanced, to have a proper uh, 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 um, self-esteem, a uh, self-assessment of, of yourself so that um, you're not manipulated by compliments or totally discouraged by people trying to tear you down. You know who you are, so you don't need that one way or another. Sister Bonnie. Okay. There you go. Finally, I was going to say that many times we don't have to compliment our children because they get that from, from where they are and who they're with. You know, I have beautiful grandchildren. They get compliments on being beautiful grandchildren, on being beautiful children often. I like Michelle's, you know, comment of having them say thank you because they receive those compliments from other people. You know, I don't have to tell them that many times, you know. Only when you see a situation where you have a child who does not think that they feel that they're attractive, you have to pursue that and see why. Are there people making fun of them for some reason? Is there something in their character? Often it has nothing to do with the way they look. It has to do with the way they act. And as a Christian child in a non-Christian setting, they are going to be attacked. So there's to it. They are going to be attacked. They're going to be belittled. And you have to see if that's what's going on. You know, what is it that's happening in the situation? Are they tearing that child down? And then you have to look at their character. Then you can really talk to them about, okay, you're chosen by God. There are reasons that other people are going to try to make you feel bad. You know, you dress nicely. Is there something you want to do differently? Is there something you want to do with your hair that would make you feel better about yourself? However, you have to help them realize that they are going to be a witness and an ambassador to the Lord at a young age, even when they're little. People are going to point them out. You know, in, a, in their church, in their home, they're going to be made to feel that they're attractive because that's just the way we are as people. We try to compliment each other. As you said, you know, if somebody comes up to you and is kind of going out of the way, you wonder what they're after. You know, what are, they, <laughs> what are you want? 
you know, what are you after here? But usually, you know, it's sincere compliments that we give to children and, you know, to adults that they look attractive or, hey, I really like your hair that way or something, you know, because we appreciate that. And we appreciate the fact that they want to look good because they're here to glorify the Lord. You know, coming to church and looking our best, I guess, is something that, you know, is instilled in me from a little child is that you come here and you look your best because you're here to glorify the Lord. You're doing your best for him. You're putting on your best for him. Not putting on your best for somebody else who's here. You're doing it because you love the Lord and you want to be your best and look your best for him as part of worship. Now, not everybody agrees with that. And that's, you know, maybe an old-fashioned kind of thinking. And you certainly would not want to make somebody feel uncomfortable for not, you know, dressing up to come to church. But I'm just saying that when we do compliment each other, it's usually a sincere compliment. You know, like, Donna, I really like your hair that way. It's very attractive. You know, sincerely meaning that, I may say something to her, you know, and we can say thank you for that. You know, and it's like Michelle said, we should say thank you, you know, because we appreciate that. It makes us feel good. We want to encourage each other in any way we can. But along with Bashti and Esther, we certainly don't want to be, if you have a child that, that you see is showing off, they're looking good, then, you know, you're going to try to tone that down or cut it off. Mm -hmm. I think that it's a totally different situation in a church and loving Christian situation where we relate to children and in a non-Christian situation because out in the world, it's much more difficult for children. You I'm know, gonna, it's harder. Yeah. I'm going to speak to that in, in a moment. I'm going to take um, the rest of the comments that are waiting to speak. Uh, Chantel, are you anybody else after? Who's that? Go ahead, Chant. Um, okay. I was going to say, with the original question where it says, you know, should I stop telling my daughter she's pretty if I see she's getting prideful? I think that whenever we see any type of sin creep up in our house, we need to reevaluate what we're doing in our house, what we're emphasizing, and the underlying message that we're sending. Because <clears throat> it might be true that that little girl is very pretty, and she knows that she's very pretty. Like, but why is that so important to her? Is that something that I'm emphasizing as a mom to the point where that's her number one focus? Have I taught her, you are pretty, and you should be pretty, and you should focus on being pretty? I think one of the things that stayed with me growing up was, especially when you get into middle school, you do start comparing yourself to other people and comparing yourself to what's traditionally thought of as beautiful. And um, when I started to do that, I noticed that a lot of the women around me didn't conform to that. Like when, when you look at you know, celebrities where they have the long hair and they wear lots of makeup and they have certain body types. But then I would, I would look at my family and be like, you know, my dad adores my mom. I think my mom is very pretty. She doesn't look like a movie star. She doesn't have long flowing hair. She doesn't dress this way. But my father. <laughs> she does now. <laughs> <laughs> but my she father adores braids. her. <laughs> Even though, you know, it's not a, I don't want to say it's not a conventionally pretty thing. She is, but that's not her number one focus. She's not a, she's not hung up on that. You know, she would not not go to church if 
she didn't have a wig or she didn't have makeup or she that was not her number one focus and it helps when you see people in your life who do have physical beauty not focus on that physical beauty because it helps you put that in perspective for yourself one of the things that I'm proud of with my kids is that they do take pride in doing things that are right um, when we just had parent-teacher conferences, one of the big things with Naomi is that she's kind to the other students. She goes out of her way to, to go to the kids that don't get played with or that the people kids don't talk to. And these are the, the chubbier kids, the less attractive children. And to me, that's way better than being the pretty girl. And I would emphasize that showing the love of Christ over, you know, your outfit is cute or your hair looks cute. Not because that's a wrong thing, it's like, but what do we want people to know about us? Yes, their first thing is gonna be physically what they see, but what do they remember? We want them to remember our character. We want our character to point to Christ. So if they come to us because they're attractive, let them leave from us knowing the character of Christ. And I think that as parents, we have to make sure that our focus isn't necessarily, you need to look good, you need to act this way and walk this way and have your hair this way. But yeah, you can do all of those things but what's most important? And I feel like when we do that in our own relationships, like if my kids don't see me spending hours in the bathroom trying to get my hair perfect, or I can't come to Sunday school because my makeup's not right, then they're saying mama's not going to worship. She's going to be seen. And they'll see that and they'll emulate that. But if they see, you know what, mama's gone to church in her scrubs before because she really wanted to be there, then they'll realize if mama really wants to worship, yeah, she tries to look her, her best, but she'll still go, and she'll still do what God called her to do, whether she, you know, looks like a model or not. And I just think, you know, they're really emulating what we do and what we, what we emphasize in our own lives. I'll take one more comment, then I'll, I'll make some comments and close this. What I, what I keep on hearing is a common refrain of, like, knowing your value um, overall. Like, what the difference between what everyone's saying uh, is the right way of looking at yourself, especially when talking about children or anybody. And the wrong way is, you know, what the emphasis is, what the, who's being uh, glorified in that, whether it be the self, whether it be God. And, and I think that, that having that, that inner value of yourself, like saying that regardless if, if something's done or not, like I hope to instill in my children that, you know, whether you have clothes that are hand-me-downs or whether you have your hair cut or your hair done a certain kind of way, is irrelevant because your beauty is not based on what people see or even what you see in the mirror. It's based off of the fact that Christ died for you. That's where your value lies. So regardless of anything else, if, if, if daddy's broke, he can't buy you them shoes, you're still good look, you're still valued, you're still important. And then having that pridefulness because of how you look physically, how you look on the outside, push that aside because that can go away. Like, um, like she said, only beauty can take you so far. That's basically it. If you don't have that, that baseline of how much you need to value yourself because of how God sees you and how Christ died for you, and the rest of it is worthless. Very good point. I want to close things out. Um, let me try to summarize and narrow things down. As a society, and it seeps into the church thinking as well, we confuse beauty and value. And the world teaches beauty is value, period. You're worth a lot more. If you, I mean, just think about it. That's the way our world operates, whether it's fair 
or not. Those who can't get a job on radio can get a job on TV. I mean, can't get a job on TV can get a job on radio. Why is that true? That, 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 yeah, you got a face for radio. <laughs> um, that, that's, that's a reality in our world. The number one criticism that, that kids tend to get is based on physical appearance. Bonnie was right when she said, yeah, they'll talk, they won't like something of your character, but what they will attack is your physical makeup because it's an easy target. All of us have gone, that's why the teen years are some of the toughest years. We all know that. Um, I, I grew up in a team where everybody had froze and my hair could not grow any, any longer than it is right now. Um, so what did that do for me though? It helped me to emphasize and know the value in character and not put value in beauty alone. Now let me flip the coin a little bit. We as Christians can go the other way. I am so thankful for the book of Esther that says there is something to beauty and we should not ignore it. I've seen a culture of churches that said black and white that says, girl, don't put no makeup on. Don't dress in any fashion-related way because that's sinful. In other words, look plain. Can I be crass? Look ugly. Because beauty is sinful. That is an extreme that has been taught. And if you want to be a Christian, in that value system, there was people who were too pretty to be Christians. As the Christians so-called saw it. You can't come in this church, you're too cute. I ain't talking about wearing inappropriate clothes, and I'm talking about because the physical beauty was there, and they went so far to reject that. That is an extreme. So beauty is something that God has given, and he's given it like gifts at different degrees. We can acknowledge that. We can acknowledge that as parents. What we need to do, though, is work to put a proper, I said esteem, another word was value, on put a higher value on character than you put on outside appearance. That's one of the things we can affect as parents. One of the things my parents did in that, and they did it because it was part of their thinking, and they did it because they had no other choice as well. Uh, Aaron was talking about hand-me-downs, and that's what we wore. They put a high value on character and a lower a comparative value on outward appearance. Now, like I said, the warning, don't put zero importance on outward appearance because God loves beauty and we do too. When I was a young man, I was afraid that if I committed myself to the Lord, I would have to love and learn to love a woman that was physically unattractive to me. And that just was distasteful in every way. <laughs> right? And you did too. No matter what you saw and how you, uh, how you gauged beauty, you were attracted to someone who was physically pleasant to you as well as inward character. 
So don't throw that all out. Now, we have to teach our kids. One of the ways I was getting to that we can teach our children is my parents said, hey, we're not buying you those fancy shoes. For one, your foot just growing too fast for us to keep up with that, okay? We don't have the money to do that. For two, we don't want you putting a high value on that above character. Because I lived in a world where people didn't care about how they act, they cared more about how they looked. And they had nothing. This is poor people, but they would spend all of their money on their outward appearance. So we care about eternal things and we want to put the value there but we don't want to go so far where we ignore, and I can see that you do, I see that you don't ignore that, because I can see how you look. I can see that you take care in your presentation, and that is important. So we teach our children to take care in their presentation. We take, brush their teeth, comb their hair, you know, as they get older, wash and wear deodorant and blah, 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 blah. So we teach them those things. Those are part of living in the world. They live in a world that highly values physical beauty, so they can't ignore that, nor should they. God made that. But they have to have a proper value system themselves, and they're going to get that only as they are grounded in God's word. So this, this question seems like it was just out of nowhere, but it very much is the value system of God. God values us, therefore we are of value, not what I look like on the outside, but because of God's value and assessment for me. Now, I say I'm not saved. Does God not value me in any? No, he says in Genesis, man was created in the image of God. That is sinful, fallen man is still created in the image of God. So God values him. That's why you can kill a pig, no problem. You kill a man, you must answer to God because of God's value system. So we want to teach that. We want to learn that value system, instill it in our kids, and teach them practical ways to accept the gifts that God has given them. Beauty is one of those things that's a good thing. You know, we live in a society where we, we have kids uh, work in a sports program, and, you know, you lose five games and you win none, but you get this trophy for participation. Right? Oh, that's fair to everybody. We don't acknowledge that there are different gifts for people. People work hard in school, but everybody gets the same grade. There's different gifts for different people. God gave that to us. We need to value that. We don't need to throw that out. We need to recognize it. Um, we can teach our children the proper value for that as well. No, you're not, you don't, your hair is not the same as so-and-so's. That's how God made her. That's just a fact. You can't change that. But I value you and God value you not based on the length of your hair, but on who you are and your character. So, good. I just wanted to, wanted to get that off my chest. <laughs> I love these questions. We'll keep on going through them as we go through and we'll re revisit anyone that, that we need to revisit. So let's pray. Father, thank you. Um, for what we learn from, from your truth and how we get our value and our esteem from you and not from others and how they value us. It is from you. We thank you for that. It's unchanging. We are yours. We belong to you. You esteem us so much 
that you sent your son to die on the cross to make the payment for our sin that we would be forever yours. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.